The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. There's a lighthouse on the hillside that overlooks life's sea. When I'm tossed, it sends out a light that I might see. And the light that shines in darkness now will safely lead us o'er. If it wasn't for the lighthouse, my ship would sail no talking on the second coming of Jesus Christ. There's no greater uh, event in the whole Bible after salvation than looking forward to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, we born-again believers are looking forward to the rapture of the church, which is our second coming, if you want to put it that way. It's, 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 it'll be the time we meet Jesus, and uh, we are transformed and made into his likeness. And it's clear, the Bible makes it pretty clear what happens. First John chapter 3, 1 through 3 and other places. And we'll be transformed, made into his image. I don't know what that, I don't know what that means. Uh, I, don't, I don't think, I think the things of the, the spiritual realm are so radically different than where we're at now that you're not able to imagine them. And I hear people really spend a lot of effort trying to figure out whether their dog's going to be in heaven or not. Uh, uh, first thing, I don't care if your dog's in heaven or not. But if your dog is in heaven, it'll be a great surprise for you. But if not, you won't care. You won't care. And uh, because the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You don't care about this stuff on earth. You know, am I going to see my second aunt's third cousin? I don't think that's going to be real pressing on your mind. Uh, I just don't think that the family ties you have here and all of that stuff's going to mean a whole lot transmitted over there. It's going to be about him. It's going to be about him. It's not going to be about us. It's going to be about him, and it's going to be a thrill to... Um, to know, I mean, the description Corinthians gives, and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul says, if you can figure out what a, a, a corn plant looks like from a seed or a wheat plant from a wheat seed, then you, you'll be able to figure out the difference between these two. And I, if, had you never seen a corn plant, you would never know from that little yellow seed what that thing's going to look like. That's, what you, that's how futile it is for us on this side trying to figure out what's the other side going to be like. And we've been told a few things, and we'll go over them. And we, we do go over them, rejoice in them. First of all, one of the results, and what I'm preaching on is the results of the second coming. It's been looked forward to. It's been preached uh, going on uh, 2,000 years of that subject. I know that uh, my old preacher I was raised up with, all the pe almost all the old saints of God that I was raised up with are in heaven, almost all of them. They're almost all gone. Uh, and and they're, they, they spoke about it and talked about it. And, and sang about it, and cried about it, and looked forward to it, and now they're there. 
And uh, God's, uh, of course, not going to reward them ahead of me. He's going to reward them all of us. We get, he's a gentleman. We're all going to, we sit down to meet at the table. Nobody ate ahead of anybody else. Everybody ate at the same time. That was etiquette and manners, and that's the way it's going to be in heaven. We're going to have, we're going to be given the rewards, and, and, and God is, of course, uh, wonderful in that way. But first thing he did is he's coming to reveal himself. The world has blasphemed him. The world has doubted him. The world has mocked him. The world has laughed at him. The world has done every wicked thing they can to, to Jesus Christ. And, and it, it, it's a fairy tale. It's for weak minds. Uh, and he's going to come. And he's going to break through the clouds. And they're going to see his face. And they're gonna, the Bible says they're going to flee to the mountains and cry to the mountains to fall on us and hide us from the face of him. Why? They know they're going to be in deep trouble when they see Jesus after having done all of that. It's also not only to real, reveal Christ, but the Bible says all his saints will come with him. It's to reveal us. Well, first of all, how do we get with him? Well, the rapture of the church explains that well. Seven years prior to the second coming, the rapture of the church, the judgment seat of Christ takes place during that period. We're given rewards and crowns, and then we're saddled up at a certain time in Revelation chapter 19 as we're from, and we're going to come back with him. Now, that's both Old Testament and New. The second thing I spoke about was where, uh, the second coming is to judge the beast and the false prophet. Uh, those are the most, uh, men have risen up and, and, and taken a stand against God and against his throne and against the Bible, but nobody's ever taken a stand as arrogantly as the beast and the false prophet. And nobody's ever been empowered by the dragon like the beast and the false prophet have been. They're called the unholy trinity in chapter 13, Revelation. And I'll be preaching on that in a few weeks, just spending a whole night on the unholy trinity. But he comes back, one of the purposes of the second coming is to judge them and to cast them, the Bible says, alive into the lake of fire. The third thing we spoke about last week was also he comes to bind Satan. Ooh, that old deceiver, that old liar, that old murderer. All the bad that you can imagine is packaged up into one being called the, the serpent, the devil, Apollyon. He's called 14 different names. He's just destroyer of worlds. He's finally going to be bound. Ooh, that's going to be a good day for us. It's going to be a good day for the world. Now tonight I want to talk to you about He's come to save, uh, to save Israel and to complete his promises to the children of Israel. If you would take your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 31, we're going to read quite a bit at the beginning here to lay the groundwork for this. I'm not going to be long tonight, uh, but you should be able to get home before dark if the sun stands still. It has once before, so it may do it again. I'm not asking it to go backward or anything real serious, but... Okay, Jeremiah chapter 31. I'm going to read Jeremiah 31, 33, and a little bit in Romans. We'll, we'll show you some of the promises. This, just, this isn't all of it. This is just a tip of the iceberg thing, kind of give you a sample. But the fourth result of Christ's second coming is to save Israel as a nation and to give them what he has promised them. There's a group of, I mean, please excuse my English, but it's a group of ignoramuses that are uh, trying to deny uh, that Israel is even any more considered in prophecy. Uh, they, they have they've said the church is going to fulfill 
all of the promises to Israel is going to be fulfilled by the church. And it, it is damaging. It is damaging to uh, historical, biblical interpretation. It's damaging to orthodox, biblical interpretation. And I'm going to give you some reasons to believe that here in chapter 31 of Jeremiah 35, verse 35. Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinances of the moon and the stars and uh, for a light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, saith the Lord, that's L-O-R-D, capital S, Jehovah, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation. He didn't mention anything about church there, assembly, a nation from before me forever. Thus saith Jehovah, the Lord, if heaven above can be measured, the foundation of the earth searched out beneath. Now this is before Hubble telescope. Before Hubble telescope. Now we know they cannot be measured. Now you know by looking through the Hubble telescope, it cannot be measured. It just keeps going and going. And in fact, they say it's growing. And they feel like it's now where they get that and how reliable that is, I don't know. But it's, it's big, brother. It's big. If heaven can be measured and the foundation of the earth searched out beneath, I also will cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, saith the Lord, saith Jehovah there. He's not going to cast them off. I mean, he just told you there about as unequivocally as you can tell somebody, I'm not going to forsake them. No matter what they do, no matter what they've done, I'm not going to forsake Abraham and the promise to Abraham and the, eventually the promise to Jacob came through Abraham, came through Isaac, went through Jacob, went through the 12. I mean, he promised them the land. He promised them that their seed would be, would be as the stars of heaven, and he promised that he would be the ruler over them uh, in a place called Palestine. He gave exact measurements of from this river to that river, from this north to that south, very definitive. They never actually possessed the whole thing at one time. You know when they went into the promised land how sorry they were. I mean, he told them, I'll give you power to cast all these people. They didn't cast them all out. The Bible says the guy, they were snares and thorns to them. They never really possessed it. In fact, not only did they not just possess all the land he wanted them to possess, they got infected by the gods of those lands and began to worship those gods. And they went through a series of backsliding and judgment, revival, and backsliding and judgment, revival, and backsliding and judgment, revival. And it got worse and worse and worse So the ten tribes were taken away by Assyria in 721. And finally, the southern two tribes, they 136 later, years later, they apostatized and were taken away by Babylon, uh, the, the nation of Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar. 70 years later, returning just a little group of people for millions and millions. But he still did not totally forsake the children of Israel. Look at verse 14. Of chapter 33. Behold, the days comes of, of Jeremiah. The days come, saith the Lord, that I will perform the good thing which I have promised unto the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. Let me say this the church of Jesus Christ, his body, is never referred to those terms right there. And let me tell you, God is, knows how to speak, and his language is exact to the jot and to the tittle. He doesn't, he doesn't generalize things and say, well, this can mean that or this can mean. No. Israel's Israel, Judah's Judah, the church is the church. I'll, I'll talk more about that in a minute. 
In those days at that time will I cause the branch of righteousness to grow up unto David, and he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. In those days, that by the way, it's talking about a thousand-year millennium, then it's referring forward, it hasn't happened yet, and that's after the second coming. But it's what it's referring to. In those days shall Judah be saved. Jerusalem shall dwell safely. Has that ever happened? No. Has this ever been fulfilled? No. And this is the name wherewith she shall be called, the Lord our righteousness. For thus saith the Lord, David shall never want a man to sit upon the throne in the house of Israel. Verse 20 of chapter 33, thus saith the Lord, if you can break my covenant of the day and my covenant of the night, and there shall not be day nor night nor season, then may also my covenant be broken with David my servant. That he should not have a son to reign upon his throne with the Levites, the priests, and my ministers. Now, is that specific? Is that specific or general? No, that's very specific. Even naming the Levites as the priests. That's going to happen in the millennial period. That is exactly what's going to happen. He's picking up after the second coming of the, the 70th week, which is the, the Daniel's going to be finished in the tribulation period when his wrath poured out upon this old world once and for all. And then eventually those who are qualified are going to be allowed to go into that thousand-year millennial period, which is going to be his fulfilling of all of the kingdom promises of the Old Testament. All of those promises that Israel would have a place and they would have these borders and David, uh, the sons of David, in this case going to be Jesus Christ himself, which is called the son of David. He's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem, that throne. And he's going to reign not just a thousand years. The Bible says his reign has no end. It is forever and ever. I'll read that in a moment. And then, brother, it says, well, anyways, my covenant, if you can break the covenant of my day or, or appointed ordinances of heaven and earth, in verse 26 of chapter 33, then I'll cast away the seed of Jacob and David my servant, so that I will not take any of his seed to be rulers over the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for I will cause their captivity to return and have mercy on them. Brother, when God says something in that much specificity, it's going to happen. You can mark it down. How do I know that? 50% of the prophecy has been fulfilled. The 50% of the prophecy has been fulfilled was fulfilled exactly to the jot and tittle of what God said it was to be fulfilled. It was said it was going to pluck his beard. They plucked his beard. It said it was going to round him like dogs at the crucifixion. Over 300 prophecies were fulfilled just around the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Some spoken all the way back in Deuteronomy chapter 18. Wow. I mean, we're talking going back 1,446 years before he was born. That's a long time. Well, I was laughing the other day. I, I, I mentioned something to somebody, and then they mentioned something. That what I said to somebody else, and then that person mentioned it back to me, and it wasn't the same. I said, praise the Lord, you know the Bible has to be inspired. You know that God had to preserve this because we can't even keep a story right between three people. And you know what's true. Well, if God didn't preserve that thing, it'd be eeny, meeny, mine, and moe, and have, and have and a Mickey Mouse ears on it. Romans chapter 11, interesting New Testament reference. Chapter 9, 10, 11 of the book of Romans. We find chapter 9, 10, 11, uh, Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, takes up kind of what's going to happen to Israel. Because see, 
Uh, chapter 1 through 8 talks about salvation and how the, you know, the world's lost and the, and the Gentiles are lost and the Jews are, are, are condemned by the law that they raise up because they didn't obey it. Everybody's a sinner for all who have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Then he shows about how Abraham was justified by faith and not works because if you're ever going to meet God, it's not going to be because of your good works. It's going to be because of your faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for you. You're not getting to heaven because you do good works. You're getting to heaven because you put your faith in Jesus Christ. The just shall live by faith. Then chapter 6, how you're supposed to, how the power of sin and dwelling sin has been broken in you as a born-again Christian. But in chapter 7, how you battle day by day with the old man and new man. And then in chapter 8, there's therefore now no condemnation to them or in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Woo! You can have your spell you can do the wave. I mean, praise the Lord. God's given us victory. We don't have to live in defeat. And then, you may ask, of course, well, what about the Jews? It's a logical question. It's a real question. Well, you've talked about, well, what about the nation of Israel? What about all those promises? Chapter 9, 10, and 11 of Romans answer that. Well, in chapter 11, it says, For I would not, brethren, verse 25, or would not, brethren, that she should be ignorant of this mystery. Mystery means something you don't, you don't get except God tells you. Lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that the blindness in part is happened to Israel. Now you understand, Paul was writing this while the church existed. He's writing this as a member of the church. But he speaks about Israel. He doesn't mix them together and say they're one. This is powerful argument right here. He defines the difference by the fact that he separates them from himself. And, and listen, look at what he says there. For he says, the blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And wasn't Paul the apostle to the Gentiles, wasn't he? He was an apostle. He was a Jew. Sure he was, but he was born out of due time, out of due season. And he was an apostle. That I believe his name will be on on New Jerusalem, uh, I do believe that. I mean, if I'm wrong, I have to apologize to a lot of people, but they won't care by that time. What are we in right now? We're in the age of the fullness of the Gentiles. God is saving some Gentiles for Jesus' sake. Because Jesus went all the way through Gethsemane and went all the way through what he had to go through and went to the cross and shed his blood, and he, he, though he had the power to end it at any time with one It's one thing suffering when, you, when it's out of your control, right? When they're grabbing you and making you do stuff. But it's a whole other thing suffering when you've got all the control. And Jesus resurrected the third day. God the Father putting the seal and saying all them people are out there claiming to be the one, claiming to be the Messiah. He is the one. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, is the one. Muhammad's not the one. Buddha's not the one. Confucius's not the one. The Shinto religion, not the one. Jesus is the one. Why? He was resurrected. And that resurrection, he, he conquered death. He conquered that old enemy that has harassed us all the way from the garden. And God the Father put a seal on him. He's the one. And look at verse 26. And for all, so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion and deliver, shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant unto them 
when I take away their sins. Now, he's talking about the future coming up. Now, everybody that says they're of Israel is not Israel. Brother, when they come, when Jesus comes back, they're going to look on him whom they pierced. Now, how can they do that? Those people that pierced him have been dead over 2,000 years. And they'll mourn for him as one mourneth, the Bible says, for his only son. They're going to say it's Jesus. This is where Philippians chapter 2 is fulfilled. Every every, uh, tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every skeptic. Paul was in the church age, uh, age of grace, call it what you will, dispensation of grace, while writing these things. He was speaking of a future event that had not happened yet, but was in the future. So how could the church in Israel be one and the same? They cannot be. And by the way, a famous statement by Brother Moon, things that are different are not the same. I'm not sure he coined that, but anyways, he plagiarized it for sure. No, no, he don't plagiarize. Because his wife's an English teacher, and we would never see the two of that. But the fullness of the Gentiles is the age of the church age, Christ's body being gathered together, which he is, by the way, 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians, he is the head. Israel has never been referred to as Christ's body, but as Jehovah's wife. Different terminologies. So the fourth result of the second coming is to begin his dealings with the children of Israel and to bring the fullness of the Gentiles in. That's the rapture. That's when it happens. The fullness of the Gentiles comes in. His body is completed. Woo! And I'm looking forward to that. That could happen tonight, except I care about people. There's some unsaved people out there that still need to be saved. I want it to come tonight for me, but for them I want it to stop, not come. And I say, even so, come, Lord Jesus, for me. But for them I say, no, Lord, may your mercy be, be extended a little bit longer. I've been praying about this election. May God give us mercy a little bit longer that we may have freedom to continue to do these things. The fifth result of the Christ's second coming is to judge the Gentile nations. Take your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, I'm going to read a few verses from about 10 verses there. Matthew chapter 25, 31 to 41, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then he shall sit upon the throne of his glory. Oh, he deserves it. Oh, it's overdue. Oh, his name has been drugged through the mud at every work site and job site. Every, every brought anywhere you go, anywhere in English speaking, they use his name as a cuss word. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a sheep, a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then shall the king say unto them on the right hand, Oh, I, I pray that you're in this group. I pray that, of course, we, I'm not, now I say this, I pray that this is the way God redresses you. Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you in the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or fed thee or thirsty or gave thee to drink? 
when saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king's answered, uh, the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, and so much as ye have done it unto the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. What a statement. Now, now people have, this is a judgment at the end of the uh, tribulation period. There's going to be some people alive. Now, the, the rapture of the church has already con- occurred at the beginning of the tribulation period. The church, the body of Christ has been sealed. It, it, we, the rewards at the beam of seed of Christ have been given out during the, I believe, during that tribulation period in heaven. There's going to be a giving of rewards and, and, a, and a judging of our lives of what, what sort and what quality they are. And we're going to be, certain things will be burned up that we wasted our time and didn't obey. And certain things will be given like gold, hay, a gold, a silver, and precious stones will be given certain eternal rewards for us. And we're considered to be, the Bible calls, crowns. I'm not sure I understand all that, but we're going to be given those rewards. Then the Bible says Jesus is coming back, 19th chapter Revelation, and all his saints will come with him. What are we going to do? We're a generation of kings and of priests and a rule. We're going to come, and he's going to set himself up. His feet will touch the Mount of Olives. It'll split in half. The earth will be changed in some degree. And he's going to set his throne up in Jerusalem to fulfill the promises of the Old Testament because every word of God that's ever been stated as a promise is going to be fulfilled. He's going to deal with the children of Israel again. And, and the, this is called the judgment of the nations here in Matthew chapter uh, 25. And it's going to take the nation, the people that are alive. Now let me say this. It looks to me from the numbers of Revelation that two-thirds of the world's population uh, will be killed by the 21 judgments, seven hooked together, seven, seven, seven judgments, about about two-thirds. Some people even believe three-quarters of the world's population will will be destroyed, killed. The world will become uninhabitable in some places. The oceans turn to blood. Those in the ocean will die. The water and the wells will become, so it's not, except, in fact, Jesus said, except those days were shortened. No flesh would be saved. He'd wipe the whole world. But he kept some. These nations will be gathered, whoever's been left. And it looks like during the tribulation period when the people who believe are so persecuted by the beast, so persecuted by the false prophet, and beheaded for their faith, if they've treated them with, with, a, with acts of kindness, as you see here, and they've protected them, uh, kind of like in that book, The Hiding Place, where the Jews were protected, you know, by Corey Ten Boom. That kind of, that kind of benevolence. That they're not, I'm, I'm, it's not saying they're necessarily saved, but they get to enter into the millennial period. Now, some have argued that they are saved, that they by faith. By the way, if I was standing before him and being judged like that, and he put me on the right side, I think I'd be saved at that time if I wasn't saved before. I think I'd believe then if I hadn't before. So it's argued that this group actually are saved, but they didn't get saved by works. Nobody gets saved by works. You get saved by faith in Jesus Christ, all the way from Adam to the last person who ever takes a breath, there's only one way to heaven, that's Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way. Not a way, not two ways. I am the truth. Not one truth, two. It's just one truth. I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, past, present, future. Because he's the only one that's, that sacrificed himself and shed his blood and was resurrected, sealed by the Father. He's the only way to God. He's the only way you can be reconciled to God is through Jesus Christ and his shed blood. There's no other way. And it can't be done by works, but must be done by your simple little childlike faith being placed in him. 
And so these people, I believe, uh, are he's here. One of the results of the second coming is he sets up this judgment, this tribunal. Look at verse 41. Then she was saying to them on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed an everlasting fire, prepared, prepared for the devil and his angels. And I'm not going to go further, but that they don't, it doesn't go well for them. There's a group that, that persecuted. There's a group that treated those that, that believed wrongly. They're not going to get to go. They're not going to get to go. They're, they're not believers. They're not going to get to go into the millennial period with Jesus reigning and being the king there on the throne of David in Jerusalem. They're going to be cast at that time uh, where it says there, the lake of fire. Serious deal. So there's the living people that survived seven years under God's wrath in the tribulation period. And the dividing is based on the treatment of believers during that tribulation period, so it seems. But I believe also by faith, maybe not written in there, but we understand that. And so that is that is one of the accomplishments. That's the fifth reason for Jesus to come. If I may give the, last, the one more, the sixth reason for Jesus to come is to deliver and bless the creation. I've been really hoping I could get to this. Take your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. This I've been just looking forward to getting to. I like animals. I like to eat them. I'm a hunter. I'm a I'm not just a life member of the NRA. I'm an endowment member. I like guns. I like to shoot. I I like the NRA. I like those kinds of people. I like those kinds of people. They're my kind of people. Now, I don't want to kill anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to damage anybody. I, if my neighbor gets attacked, I want to protect my neighbor. If my somebody comes from my wife, uh, when she was much younger, that was probably more viable than maybe now. But and I love to dig a hole for myself and then bury and put dirt on me. Well, anyway, I want to protect her. You know, um, but I sure don't want to shoot anybody. I sure don't want to hurt anybody. I mean, I'm trying. I want to be harmless and blameless, the son, child of God, in the midst of a crooked, perverse generation. I don't want to be be hateful or harmful in any way. Um, but uh, God gives. You know, David said that God had taught my hands to war, and God liked David pretty well. And um, he said, "By my God, I ran through a troop." By my God, I leapt over a wall. I think, you know, there's a good thing. God's for you. Let's look in verse 19 there. Um, this is a deliverance that not a lot of people have thought about. One of the results of the second coming is to live, to deliver and bless creation. For the earnest expectation of the creature, the word creature can mean the created one, the things that are created, waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Who are the sons of God? Born-again believers. People who by faith have trusted in Christ. Literally, they're looking forward to the day we get delivered. And we haven't been delivered yet. No, 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 no. You haven't received the adoption of sons of the resurrection. 
and you get a new body, praise the Lord, you get a new life. Until we get that new body, like in his glorious body, we've not been completed in our salvation. Not yet. We've got to stand before him, judge seat of Christ, receive whatever rewards we're going to receive, lose whatever we're going to lose, and then we're given a new body, like in his body, and we'll be given particular duties to do and places to do and management duties or whatever. And, and according to what you've sent up, you know, they say God's going to give you what according to what you've sent up ahead. But the creation's looking at us. I have a pet pig. I happen to like pigs. Um, pigs, people in God's service. Never thought about it that way, did you? I have. But anyway, uh, hogs helping others grow spiritually. I mean, people have a little creativity, you know what I mean? Pigs and hogs. Nobody wants to be in the part of that ministry, but never But the earnest expectation. You know what it is to have expectations. Brother Adam, you got married, and you stayed out to my house, and you were one miserable creature. And when we did marriage counseling, you were miserable. And you you were and every every man that I ever do you were miserable. And he was just, just miserable, miserable. Because you had an expectation that was unfulfilled. Right? And you just got this expectation. Oh, this beautiful angel that I call my, my future potential wife. Oh, oh, what will it be to finally stay with her? What will it be to have her do my laundry and do the dishes and, and, uh, and sweep the house and wax my car? Oh, what a beautiful. Am I missing something? But. And then. Did it seem like a long time, brother Adam? Did it seem like a long time? It seemed like forever. Because when you got an expectation, time goes slow. Man, it crawls. The creation which was put under the curse because of Adam and his sin and passed down, of course, to all of creation. Man, animals are vicious to each other. Animals eat each other. Animals are cruel to each other. Animals are mean-spirited in a lot of ways. And all of that is because of sin. The Bible says, gives us an insight that you wouldn't know except God told you, the earnest expectation of creation is waiting for the manifestation of you and me by the grace of God. Woo! The second coming of Christ is going to change that. Look at verse 20. For the creature was, was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who was subjected to the same in hope. God did it. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption, look at it, into the glorious liberty of the children of God. That's you. That's me by the grace of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth uh, uh, together in pain together until now. I'm in pain right now. How about you? My heart aches tonight. My soul's in pain. There's a certain pain we bear and we carry by being in this old wicked world. Then you got your physical pain, but physical pain is nothing like soul pain. Nothing like soul pain. 
and we're in pain, and we all groan together. His wife's sick tonight. He's in pain. No husband is a happy man when his woman's sick. It hurts your heart to see her sick like that. Nobody, your daughter has been going through some stuff. You're pain, in pain, brother. Pain. Carry the pain. What is one thing going to be accomplished by Jesus coming back? The pain's going to be gone. He's going to right the wrongs. And there's wrongs on every hand. Wrongs done to you, wrongs done to others, wrongs done around you. Get used to it. You're in a world of corruption. This is a world of woe called a veil of tears by commentators. He says here, for we know the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together unto now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, that's born again Christians, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. What? Why? We're waiting for the adoption to wit, or which is the redemption of the body. This old world's filled with disappointment and trouble every day. Many times I get discouraged, and I almost lose my way. Then I remember I'm just a pilgrim in this troubled world below. There's one thought that keeps me singing as I go. We're not home yet, children. So keep your eyes on the Savior. Just a few more days to labor. And we'll sit down beside that river. How I long to be with Jesus. And my loved one's gone before us and me. There's a better day a-coming. We're not home yet. This ain't home. In many songs written about this world is not my home. I'm just a-passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's golden shore. I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Listen, tell me, a born-again Christian has got a grip on what God has promised, always has this faraway look in their eye. They always have, I've I, I seen in the eyes of some Christians going onto the other side, a little glimpse of the celestial city reflecting out of their eyes, seems like. Almost a glow of Moses on his face. One old boy, so close to heaven. Man. I said, brother, what's it feel like to be right on the threshold of stepping over to what you've preached about, what you've talked about, what you've cried about, what you've looked for, what your expectation has been? He says, it's good. Two hours or so later, he was there. Yeah, I buried over 150 people at gospel. 150 empty seats in here that would be filled if they'd be here. They'd be alive. But trust me, if I'd ask them to come back, they would not. They'd say, Billy, you're coming to us, but we ain't going with you. You're coming to us, but we ain't going with you. I long to see some of those little people. But I want to do what God wants me to do. I don't have the time tonight. I'm not going to take it. Next week, we'll talk about some of the changes that happen to the creation when Jesus comes back.
there's going to be some good changes. I'm sorry, Doc, you'll be without a general. No more boards to take. No more, no more crying and weeping and I'm in pain. Can you help me? They're going to say, no, Brother Doc, you can't do that anymore. There's no more pain here. No more sorrow. No more tears. No more crying. No more disease. No more blindness. No more deafness. No more, no more uh, 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 child diseases, which maybe hurt our feelings more than anything. No more, no more uh, infant. Tile is an infantile leukemia or, or, or diabetes. No, that's all gone. Amen. It is worth living for Jesus, trust me. The old devil comes by and says, have this little thrill. Have this little excitement. Have this little woo. But brother, with it is the smell of the, of the breath of hell and the sting of an adder. And you cannot enjoy anything of sin without having the pain afterwards. And the pain always outruns the pleasure. Always. It's God's rule. You know what happened. Next week, we'll talk about some changes. Father, help us to have a vision. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239 947 one, two, eight, five. God bless.